Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams. Hello, and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose, a weekly radio show and podcast where we'll be talking about the secrets behind living an inspired and extraordinary life on the terms that you set for yourself. I'm Ellen Barton, and today my guest comes to us from Liverpool, England. His name is Sean Patrick, but most people know him as that guy who loves the universe. Sean's bio says that he's an entrepreneur, a writer, a spiritual enthusiast, and scholar of positive psychology. He also runs his own publishing company, That Guy's House, does one-on-one coaching, and has written a best-selling book called That Guy Who Loves the Universe. Sean, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. Wonderful. Well, I really appreciate your time. I know you're very busy. I have to say, when I was researching your work for the show, I had to wonder if you ever even sleep. You've got so much going on. But not so many years ago, you were in a very different place, and your journey is, yeah, that's the story that you tell in your book. And I was wondering if you could just give us some of the highlights of um, what that story looked like for you. Oh, absolutely. I think, I mean, I'm 28 years old now, but looking back to my late teens and early 20s, I think I suffered with what a lot of people do, where they just have no idea where their life is going or what their purpose is. And I felt that extremely deeply. I um, it really it really knocked me for sixes, so to speak, and I felt very anxious and depressed, really not knowing my place in the world. And um, I I navigated my way through life the best I could. I had a you know I had a good job. I had a city center apartment. So on the outside, all these things which were seemingly you know you're doing well and you're doing fine, but I couldn't feel it, and I had to experience my life on a whole new level, and that resulted in um, a four month trip to Hong Kong, which is what my book tells the story of. But that was really the external and that was really the external journey. My internal journey was connecting to something bigger than myself and really beginning and taking seriously my spiritual practice and also, you know, my life practice, learning about what brings me joy, what, how to set a boundary, how to stop listening to all them voices in my head. And if I hadn't learned them lessons in my early 20s, I honestly don't think I'd be here today, especially not as that guy who loves the universe because I was driving myself crazy. So to really learn how to live my life in a happier way is the only reason I can actually still be here living my life. So what was it, um, you know, you got to that really dark place and this show is called Ready, Set, Grit. And Mm -hmm. It, it grit was an intentional word because research has shown that that's one of the the attributes of people who are most successful is that they have grit they have this stick with itness mm-hmm. this you know they keep going and yet all of us have been in places where it's it's difficult to do that yes. you know, we feel stuck we we feel defeated what mm-hmm. how were you able to get through that dark place Well, I can really attribute that and I can really define the actual moment to um, a sudden thought I had. And I guess in in spiritual circles or in even maybe more so religious circles, you could say it was a voice of God or something like that. But for me, it wasn't it wasn't that way. It was more so a very clear thought I had. And it happened on a day I was evidently having a panic attack, though I didn't know that's what it was at the time. 
And I remember leaving my office in a rush. I put my bag on. I was running across the street. And I really had this thought that said, this is just where you fall down, but stick around long enough to stand back up, which is really a message of resilience and patience and perseverance and grit. And that was the message I got. It said, no, this is a fall down, but stick around long enough for where you get back up. And then my life just opened up so many you know, miraculous doors for me. And, and my life is completely different today. So there was there was something it might have been myself in my own knowing or it might have been even something, you know, outside of myself, which said, oh, no, the, the best is yet to come. Stick around. Well, that's and I think we all I think. I think we all have that in and anyone that does grit or does continue going, even in the midst of them horrible hard times, we do have that belief within us, even if it's very quiet and very small, which says, no, there's still good to come. Otherwise, why would we keep going? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That knowing. And what is it? So, so you've, you've really stepped into this guy who loves the universe mm -hmm. yeah. um, brand, but what is, what does that mm -hmm. mean to you? What is, what is the universe? Um, just, uh, just explain that to us. What, what does that yeah. mean to you? <laughs> well, the name actually came about completely by accident, as so many wonderful things I do just have to come around by accident. I was headed to a conference in New York, and I wasn't sure what name to put on my business card because I didn't feel like I was a writer. I didn't feel like I was a life coach. And I just thought to myself, well, what one line would people use to describe me if I wasn't there? And that's what came to me, that guy who loves the universe. And it started out as nothing but a Facebook page where I posted, you know, my daily navigation through life, my daily navigation through my own mental health and emotions. And it, and it grew popular. And because of that, I then wrote the book, which shared the story of how I became that guy who loves the universe. Off the back of that, I'm now running my own publishing company, That Guy's House, where I'm working with other first time authors to help get their work out there. And yeah, so so that's that's kind of the brand. But what's great is, and even in the name, is the brand is me. I am that guy who loves the universe. So one thing that I definitely I, I don't allow my work to take over my life. They're very much infused. I like to make time to take you know walks on the beach where appropriate, and drinking great coffee and hanging out with friends, and you know to really have have it to have a brand about well-being. It's impossible to drive yourself crazy trying to do so. And I think you'll find that a lot um, with people. It's um, people who are teachers of happiness or teachers of spirituality. You really want to make sure that in their own life, they're cultivating happiness and spirituality because it's so easy to get caught up in it as a job. And I've definitely I've been doing this now for almost six years so I can I can see the back and forth. But the only way for it really to truly make sense is if I'm living it in my life and then it's also my brand. Yeah, no, I love that. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, I personally, I've done a lot of work in this realm and, and you obviously have as well. But I have a feeling that a lot of the listeners might not really understand um, mm -hmm. this whole idea behind the universe and, and what how it, it can support us. Can you just take us back and and talk about some of the basics and maybe some of your experiences with uh, feeling that support and getting in that flow with the universe? Oh, Absolutely. So it really, um, I think what, what it kind of essentially comes down to for me is there is something bigger than myself, which loves and supports me and cheers me on. And I call that the universe. So in my life, I don't feel like I'm alone. I feel like I have this powerful cosmic force, which wants good for me and has my back. And that's an, in, and that's a belief that I now have inherently. So it's almost the opposite to being paranoid, I guess. It's the feeling of 
you know, life is working out in my favor and for my greatest good. And with that comes a lot of ease of anxiety. So, for example, just sharing, just going back to the story I initially shared where I had that thought that said, this is just where you fall down, wait around till you get back up. A few days later, you know, I got the invite to go and work in Hong Kong. And that's what the book's about. And I went out there and I I experienced what life had brought to me. And I very much feel like that was a gift from the universe that said it was an answer to a prayer that I hadn't even said. It was an answer to a silent prayer, which was my life needs to change. Help me. And this thing that's bigger than me brought around this opportunity, you know, to go and live in Hong Kong and, and work through my own head drama. And I think if everyone looks around in their life, they can really relate to experiences where it says, you know, that was a blessing in disguise or that was meant for me. Um, something bigger than me brought that to me. It was no mere fluke. And that's what it really comes down to for me is not believing that things that happen in life are a mere fluke, that there's something bigger moving the pieces. And that's not to say that I ascribe to a particular God, and that's not to say that I follow a religious path. It essentially comes down to I believe in something bigger than me, which is helping me along this way. And what do you think happens when you're able to make that shift? It, it helps people move out of a place of making decisions out of fear or, um, you know, just going through life. Um, it helps people move out of a place of fear or going mm-hmm. through life in a routine, just paying the bills, going to work, yeah. picking the kids up from soccer. It helps you step into a bigger purpose because you have almost a confidence around your actions. Do you find that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think the key word you use then is the confidence. So we've all had, we've all had the experience where we get the gut feeling where we know we should or shouldn't do something. And oftentimes we do it the opposite way and we say, oh, I should have listened to my gut. Um, that, that, I, I'd call that gut feeling, you know, a communication from this something bigger than myself. And this something bigger than myself might be within me. It's bigger than my knowing. It's bigger than my self-image, so to speak. So absolutely, it gives you the confidence to listen to them nudges inside, which say, you know, you should you should respond to that email. You should go and talk to that person. You shouldn't really be hanging out with that person anymore. You shouldn't go down that path. And when you when you have this belief that, you know, something something bigger than your own thinking is at play, you are much more comfortable in leaning into them inner nudges. Yeah, I really like that. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I love about your work is that you speak, you speak to everyone, but you speak Mm -hmm. very well to the millennial generation, to the younger generation. And I love that story about the, the party in Beverly Hills. And I wonder if you could share that that moment where you you just felt like everything was very meaningless. Is that a word? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, that was that was such a profound moment, and I was I think I was only twenty or twenty one at the time, so I consider that quite young to get such a bam lesson. But I am I grew up in the countryside in Ireland, and when I wasn't in the countryside in Ireland, I was in you know the countryside in England. So I was a country country boy, and. Then when I was 21, I went out to um, California to do some motivational workshop. 
And as part of that, I stayed with a friend who happened to have an invite to a Beverly Hills pool party. And for me, that was like, oh, my God, this was such a huge deal. This was like, I am complete. I could not imagine anything more. That was the mecca of life experience going to a Beverly Hills pool party. So we got picked up at the Kodak Theater. They sent us up in limos to this party. And unfortunately, I was so disappointed at what greeted me or what was there because it was... um, Including myself, we were a lot of lost people looking for a validation in this party. And there was a lot of drugs. There was a lot of random promiscuous sex. There was a lot of alcohol. And it just, you know, it was one of them moments where I was let down by something I thought was going to be my savior and salvation. I thought if I can be someone who goes to a Beverly Hills pool party, that means that I have arrived or I am valid. And if anything, I found that that I've not found any validation here. In fact, I've been held, a mirror's been held to my face at the fact that why am I even looking for validation here? And it was in that moment I kind of made this affirmation to myself that, oh my gosh, that the world is insane in so many ways because I bet 99 out of every 100 people I spoke to would, would say, oh my gosh, how awesome, you went to a Beverly Hills pool party. And I can say, yeah, but I, I didn't really find anything there besides from the fact I had to start looking for validation in something that wasn't outside of me. And yeah, that was a that, that was a really defining moment. And it's one that's always, always stuck with me. So even now, as as my career grows and and I do get to experience glamorous things or, you know, some of the finer things in life, I'm very aware and my head screwed on to the fact that they don't really mean anything. And Um, As much as I can enjoy them, I can guarantee you that having a reserved author seat at an event or being invited to speak on the TV, it doesn't really hold a flame to some of the moments where I was just sat on a rooftop in Hong Kong drinking a can of beer with a friend. And and that's something which has always really served me in life because I I really appreciate them small moments so much. And I also understand that some of them big moments are more glitzy and glamorous, but they don't mean half as much. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. When we when we look at the meaning of life, we often we're looking for the big things, but it's it's the yeah. small ones that really do stand out to us. And I want to ask you, so specifically with the younger generation, I do feel like there's a lot of disillusionment, there's angst, there's a lot of anxiety that I don't mm-hmm. remember seeing or hearing about when I was growing up, and I I think that you wrote it, I don't know if it was the book or somewhere on the website, but you said something about the instant gratification, you know, we're always just Mm -hmm. instant downloading things and and looking for whatever it is we're looking for and expecting it right away. So can you just talk about that a little bit? What's your take on this newer generation coming up? Yeah. well, well, well. Firstly, I think it, it, it's 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 very profound to the the younger generation, but it also it spans, you know, across all generations because it's it's a, almost about that feeling of somewhere in the zeitgeist right now, somewhere in everyone's thinking is I should be doing something extraordinary and fantastic, and I need to excel at it. We're all. Um, we feel there's just so much pressure we feel as if if we're not doing something extraordinary fantastic and we're not the absolute best and we failed so we're setting ourselves up for this huge failure i know from some of the younger people i know and work with um there's no talk about i'm going to find a job i'm happy with settle down and have a family it's always 
I'm going to excel or be the best in career X, Y, or Z. And that's just immense amounts of pressure. And I don't think it just sits with my generation. I think it spans across, you know, kind of this generation of time right now where we all feel like if we're not doing something extraordinary or if we're not achieving something absolutely phenomenal, then we fail. And because of that, we're feeling depressed and inadequate. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. And I like that term, the generation of time right now. I think that that's that's very accurate. So in my work, I talk with people about living the life that they dream of, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to start an international company. It doesn't mean that they have to become a YouTube star or whatever. It can Mm -hmm. simply mean that they they decide, they they create their life on purpose and decide to be a stay-at-home mom or decide to be whatever it is that they that really yeah. resonates with them. So how, how do you, in your work, help people get from that idea that they have to meet these unrealistic expectations back down to what their, their purpose is, you know, their essence? Yeah. Well, the, the, the tagline to to all I do with my work as that guy who loves the universe is make peace with your mind. And that's something that I, and that's the first thing I'll work with, with any clients I work with, anyone that comes to me with a book idea who wants to publish on, under that guy's house. It's it's really saying, okay, all this stuff can happen, but what, I, what we really need to speak about is making peace with your own mind, because that's what you're left with. So can you really fall in love with your own thoughts and fall in love with, with where you are? So people will come to me with a career goal and that can absolutely be achieved through, you know, through work and time. And also if you're not enjoying the space of your mind right now, then it will make no difference to your life whatsoever. So that's something I absolutely cultivate in my work is to learn to make peace with your mind, to enjoy your thoughts and enjoy your life. So you can do the small things like drink a beer on a rooftop with friends and enjoy it, go for a long walk on the beach, drink a great cup of coffee. And the rest, you know, and the rest is life and living and work, but you're always going to come back to you in your mind. So that's the relationship you want to have be really great. Yeah, I really love that. And I want to ask you about limits that people put on themselves. Yeah. Telling a lot of times we get stuck in stories about not being good Mm -hmm. enough or not being whatever enough. How do you get people out of those stories and and help them to realize that no matter what the circumstances are that they're currently in, they can step into whatever it is that they they truly dream of doing? Yeah, well, absolutely. And thoughts like you're mentioning, the not good enough, the stories we're stuck in, that is a prime example of of an unpeaceful mind, and it's a it's an extremely common belief. So so we'll take that one. Not good enough. It's asking yourself the question, and it's one something I'd ask I'd ask someone I'm working with the question. You know, not good enough for what? Like what is this measure? Because we use it all the time. I felt that way for so long, but because like not good enough for what? There there was no end to this because it was a bit of an open you know, invalidated kind of belief. So that's one thing I said to me, you know, not not good enough for what, not pretty enough for what, not thin enough for what. Like it's the, the, the comparison is that because there's no comparison, there's just a limited belief. You're never going to move past it. So you work with someone and say, well, you're not good enough for what and release the need to be good enough for so and so. So 
so for example, I know when I started my publishing company, that was like a big, oh my God, because I could easily say, I'm not good enough to compete with the bigger publishers or, you know, my books aren't going to get out there the way other people's books might get out there, all these beliefs. And I said, you know, I released the need to be to be good enough at this. All I need to do is publish some books I want to work with, publish my own work. And once again, believing in that something bigger would, would take care of it. So when it comes to the, the good enoughs, pretty enoughs, do enoughs, have enoughs, ask yourself for what and release the need to be enough, do enough, have enough or be good enough. Maybe I'm fine not having enough. Maybe I'm fine not being enough. That's not true, but that's a hell of a lot nicer way to be in your mind. Yeah, thank you. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I love yeah. um, all your talk about finding peace in your mind. It's, it seems so important and relevant to so yeah. many of us these days or, or perhaps mm -hmm. any days, I'm sure any days. Yeah. So I want to ask you about this platform that you've developed called Chill yeah. the F Out. Yes. What is that? That looks really cool. Oh my gosh, I have had so much fun working on that. And it actually, it's going to be a mobile phone app, which will come out in the spring of 2017. And for me, that came about with um, working with a lot of younger people who were in their late teens and early 20s. And, and that was a, a sentence they threw around to each other a lot. Obviously not saying chill the F out. We all know what they were actually saying. And um, I just thought to myself, oh my gosh, um, the whole topic of meditation and making peace with your mind, to translate that quite explicitly to the millennial generation, it is that one sentence, chill the F out. And um, then I developed, I started developing meditations for a meditation app and workshops and retreats, which are all based on this idea of chill the, chill the F out. So it's, um, it is, and it's continuing to become a, um, like a, a meditation, a mindfulness, um, sweep for the, for the younger generation. And also the, um, as much as, so the chill the F out name was born for obvious reasons, but I also, I have a master's degree in psychology where my main research was in the field of flourishing. So coincidentally, the F stands for flourishing, which is how we can live optimally, how we can have a full life, how we can feel worth, worthful and valued. So chill the F out is, um, yeah, chill the F out means chill the F out. And the F also stands for flourish. And for me, um, chilling the F out is what I needed to do. Even when I started my career and I wanted to spread this word of, you know, make peace with your mind, I was living like an anxious mess trying to do so. And honestly, for me, it was, it all came down to chill the F out. That's what I tell myself most mornings, Sean, ch chill the F out, take it easy. Don't worry so much. And once again, with my belief in something bigger than me, that's what helps me get in alignment with it a lot more is to not be so concerned with the hows and the details and the stresses, but to chill the F out and and enjoy my life more. And then what happened when you were able to do that, when you were able to stop worrying? Um, did you have any less success or did you have a different experience? No, I had so much more success. And that is the juxtaposition of it all when I could actually so all that space and time in my mind which was used for worrying and stressing and making something happen and trying and manipulating and validating and striving when all that space in my mind was cleared it was as if just some kind of you know wave rushed in of wonderful ideas and successes and, and i know we spoke about this be before um on, on another time we've spoken 
it's saying a lot of the great things which we do or which come to us are put in our path. We don't go out and make them come in our path. So, so for example, just, just to share a story, um, I run a inspirational mug business off my website. It sounds quite random, but I sell these mugs with all these cool spiritual sayings on. And that happened by complete accident because I didn't, for my book launch party last summer, I couldn't get actual physical books there in time. And I thought, oh my gosh, I need something. So I printed these sayings on mugs and I've sold thousands of these mugs now since since July. That was not a plan. That was not, it didn't require a business plan or months of preparation. It was a default um, idea which came to me and became really successful. Um, same thing with my publishing company. I wanted to establish myself as a publishing company so I could release my own work. Um, elsewhere just other than on Amazon and before I knew it I had all these ISBNs and, and other authors wanting to publish under my publishing company so yeah that whole chill the f out mentality seems to bring a lot of default wonderfulness into your life yeah I love that I was just mm-hmm. having a conversation before we got on this call with someone and we were talking about how when you get in the space of worry and you get in the space of trying so hard to make something happen that isn't happening, that isn't in the flow, you become blind to the opportunities of all that is available to you. You don't even see them. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And, And I can hold my hands up, you know, two hands up to say, I am someone who is so prone to anxiety and being neurotic. And I know what it feels like. And it's, and it's knowing that I can say to the universe, you know, you know and I know that I have huge potential for neuroses and worry here. Help me not. And the answer I always get is chill the F out. Like, go and do something fun. Don't, you don't have to spend 10 hours at your laptop today. And, and this is one thing that I find, and, and this is, I'll share another story with you now. When I, when I released my book, I reached out to, um, to a lot of authors I admire to provide an endorsement for my book. And I obviously wasn't hearing back from them. Remember one day I decided to take a nap and I woke up two hours later and I had all my endorsements. And I thought, and I honestly knew in myself, I said, them emails would not have come if I had not gone for a nap. And that sounds so crazy. And I don't mean to make the whole world become unproductive all of a sudden because I'm productive when I need to be and I'm not when I don't need to be. But it's allowing that space for life to do its thing and you not just do your thing. It's understanding that your part can sometimes be small and life's part can sometimes be big. And sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes your part's big and life's part's small. Wonderful. Thank you. I I love that. And I I find that, you know, going out, you've got to knock on doors, check things out, see see Mm -hmm. what's going to work for you, and then let go of what comes back. So what I find along those lines is that what you oftentimes you have to do is go out there and knock on lots of doors in in the world and and just see you know what's going to open up for you what's going to show up for you but the key I think is to not get you attached to which particular doors actually will be available to you absolutely and once again going back to that belief of there's something bigger than me it's knowing if this is in the best interest of people of the world, of the world itself, and of me, there is nothing I can do to stop that from coming in. But if this necessarily is not in the best interest of myself or the world, then there's nothing I can do to bring it in. 
and having that belief is something which helps me chill the f out and just chill out in general because i know that if this is in the best interest of the world there's nothing i can do to stop this from coming in because we've all had experiences in our life where there's nothing we could do to have stopped that amazing relationship developing there's not like so many of the relationships in our lives happen completely at random but we know there's nothing we could have done to stop that from happening we sometimes know when we're in places of employment or there's we were we were, we were meant to be here a circle was drawn around this place long ago and that's how it is if you're an entrepreneur with your business ventures it's to understand the same thing which is there is nothing you can do to change what's coming for you and there's nothing you can do to attain what's not coming for you as long as you you remain in action oh yeah you as long as you remain in action but it, it doesn't necessarily it, so action absolutely um relentlessness and striving no 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 i just i'm not on board with that agreed absolutely mm-hmm so do you have any um, success stories you can share with us? You've, you've been doing this work for some time now and, and worked with lots of different people. What shifts or changes have you seen people making when they do learn to chill out a little bit or they do adopt some of these practices? How, have, how has their, you know, other people's lives changed by, um, by making these, these shifts? One thing I can really think of is when people really own who they are and what they are and they can so they can turn something they've been believing about themselves or their work or their company in this in this example it's a client I worked with their company they often have the belief that this company you know wasn't as successful or wasn't as mainstream as as the other companies in that field and it was really owning the belief that was like hey I'm a hybrid version of this and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm part community and part mainstream. And it was really moving forward with that belief between what I do is exactly what the world needs and exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And then watching them experience great success with what they were doing. Because that's, you know, that's so often the case. I mean, no one starting out is going to be like the big mainstream brands but maybe that's not what the world needs right now maybe they need more hybrid more community focused more small homegrown homegrown companies and it's very easy to look around and when you think to yourself you know just say you went out and and you got a job you might earn what thirty thousand dollars a year or more um generating that income for yourself with a smaller company is not that much of a huge quantum leap. So it's really not underestimating or undervaluing the absolute power and joy that comes with a small home business or company for yourself. Some people might say that, and I've heard this, it seems a little strange to me, but I have heard people say that pursuing your, your, your dream can be perceived by some as selfish. I don't mm-hmm. see it that way. I I believe that when you're really living in your purpose, that's when you're able to give back the most to the world. Do you have thoughts on that? Abs- absolutely. Anyone that says it's selfish must have never tried to do it because it is not It's not um, comfortable. It's not always satisfying. And there is very little instant gratification in it. And oh my God, it, it doesn't take much to speak to someone who's running their business to actually hear that 
the reason why they do do that is completely unselfish. The reason why they do that is completely fueled by an experience which made them want to make the world somehow better in some way, or they want to in they want to interject the world with that little bit of video, that little bit of something different. So, I think it's very anyone that is you know on the path of growing their own business or injecting something into the world. You'll know within yourself if it's generate if it's motivated by selfishness or not. But most of the time, it it honestly isn't. There's been something that happened to you, some experience where you say, you know, I'm I'm going to put something into the world which changes it for the better, even if only a little. Absolutely, and mm-hmm. and certainly reaping the benefits from that. You know, I I don't have judgment around that at all. And it, yeah. it seems to me that people that have that kind of view, they're they're coming out of a place of lack or fear. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, and, and and the more you grow and the more you get aligned with yourself and, you know, there's something bigger than you, you don't even really give them, you don't really give them thoughts a second thought or you give them opinions about the people a second thought. They're just gone. Yeah, wonderful. So do you have any... Um, Besides chilling out and just relaxing, mm-hmm. do you have any um, last pieces of advice for folks who might be looking to make a shift or people who might be feeling a little stuck in their lives? Uh, absolutely. It For me, it all started with a very simple open-eyed meditation practice, which is practiced by um, Raja Yoga of the Bruma Kamari's Meditation Center. That's how I happened to come across in Hong Kong. And it worked for me. I um, I went to the, their meditation center and I've been doing their meditation ever since. And it's simply where you focus on a point in the room or you light a candle and you sit and focus on that flame. You don't close your eyes. You don't um, try and silence your mind. Instead, you focus on the flame, the candle that you light or the point in the room. And instead of trying to quiet your mind, you in, you instead you... Um, you override it with the truth about yourself, which are thoughts like, I am love, I am peace, I am joyful, I am merciful towards others, I am giving. So it's taking just five minutes a day to quiet your mind, but not to make it silent, but to believe and download some awesome truth about yourself. Um, Other than that, I'd say it really comes down to monitoring that the thoughts you're having all day and not choosing to believe them all we so often as people we arrogantly um, believe is true anything that we think and to actually take a break from the fact that I could have 30,000 thoughts today and not one of them be true is a really relieving thing because we could have a thought that you know oh I shouldn't have been late this morning well maybe for some reason that I don't know I should have been. And when you actually get off your own back and you start making yourself wrong or bad or not enough, I, I say that's a place to start, but really for me, that's that's everything. When you could actually, because that's what I lived. I lived for so many years on my own back. They're not good enough. They're never going to be good enough because I had nothing to compare it to. The anxiety, the depression, the um. The biggest thing was to actually, when I said make peace with my mind, stop believing everything I was telling myself because I was making myself so unhappy. So I'm saying that's a place to start, but really that's that's truly everything. Mm, I love that. Mm-hmm. What What is the definition of happiness to you? The definition of happiness to me is loving every thought I have. Hmm. Mm. Very good. 
And yeah. if you ever should have a negative thought, you just let it go. I just let it go and I don't be angry at myself for, for having that thought. I say, well, I, I, once again, oh, that thought came, I should have had it, and now it's gone. I, I really and, like and, that. And, yeah, and allowing myself to experience them, them feelings. Like sometimes, you know, anger or disappointment is the appropriate response, but giving yourself a hard time for feeling angry or disappointed is not. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as humans, we're all we're all having the full experience, and we we yes. can't avoid any of those emotions at one point or another. Absolutely, and the pain really comes from um, I'm feeling sad, and I need not to. I'm feeling sad, and I don't want to. I'm feeling sad. I am with sadness right now. Full stop. It will go. Yeah, and it doesn't feel half as bad when you're not trying to get yourself out of what you're feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I heard an interview some some time ago with uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer, who has since sadly yeah. passed, and mm-hmm. he was talking about being in traffic or something, and he was getting annoyed. And Dr. Wayne Dyer is a spiritual master. He's one of my personal yes. heroes. And I was like, wow, you got annoyed? What? <laughs> but even yeah. he, even he uh, from time to time did have those feelings. And And, and there's a that there's a story or tale i don't quite know what it is but it talks about um a buddhist monk being sat at the side of his master's grave just in complete tears and someone walks over and says oh i thought you were enlightened you're a monk why are you crying and the monk said because i'm sad and that for me was it's like oh that, that there's not there doesn't need to be much else because i'm sad i'm crying full stop and when I'm happy, I feel joy, but it's the it's the commentary that we put on our own lives, which just drives us insane. That's why I say, you know, make peace with your mind, make peace with what is, make peace with what's happening, enjoy your life more. And that's honestly what I want. That's honestly what I want for people. It's it's not to um, acquire all this external success. It's being able to enjoy a good cup of coffee and take a walk on the beach. Oh, thank you so much, Sean Patrick. This thank was, you for having me. Yeah, this was wonderful. And thank you for listening to today's show. My guest was Sean Patrick, also known as That Guy Who Loves the Universe. You can find him online at thatguywholovestheuniverse.com. And I will also post links to his site on my website, readysetgrit.com. Please tune in next week at the same time for more inspirational stories and tips for intentionally creating the life you've always dreamed of. And don't forget, you can hear Sean's full interview on our website. Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, your life on purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at readysetgrit.com where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our eBooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit, inspired actions, real results.